Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 114, presented by Optimex Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, as we bring you the latest news from around the ACHA and AAU college hockey. Our boy Fitz is back in the studio this week down in Huntsville, Alabama. So we're going to throw it over to him. It's been a while since we've heard his voice, but he is alive and well for all those who were concerned. Yeah, it's good to be back, boys. This has just become just a, a staple in my time. Not having the Wi-Fi last year kind of sucked. Didn't get to talk with you boys, but we have Wi-Fi this year. The the SP treats me way better. Been here for almost a week. Camp uh, officially started just a few days ago. We're getting on the ice for like the first official skates tomorrow. Today we had a little fitness testing. We did that it's called like the wind bike test. If you've seen like the NHL guys that have like the tubes hooked up to their mouth. Yeah, it was the first time I've ever done it. They said I did good. I ended up yakking twice in the bathroom. So <laughs> that was uh, that sucked, but got through it. It's we're getting it going here. Play a preseason game actually on Saturday. So that's coming up pretty quick against uh, Peoria in Clarksville, Tennessee, because I think they're thinking about adding a team there uh, in the SP next year or a few years down the road. So yeah, it's all happening fast, but it's all been really good so far. Clarksville, that is a new building too. I think I want to say Middle Tennessee and Vanderbilt played there the other day. I think the first event they ever did there was the Three Ice. Plan is to maybe have a, a Preds affiliate go in there at some point because it's close to Nashville. Fitz, I wanted to. I, I know a lot of people listening would love to probably follow along, you know, your journey in the SP. What's the team in Huntsville you're playing for again? Uh, they're called the Huntsville Havoc. All right, and we saw you got you couple bucket selections already this year too. You sent a picture of the stall. It seems like you're getting treated pretty well down there already. Yeah, we got the regular black, and then it's the 20th uh, anniversary of the team, so they're doing like a chrome. Not really sure what it uh, what it goes with. Maybe maybe rockets and chrome. I don't know. I'll be down in number five this year. Uh, drop the one. Little Nick Lidstrom action. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited. That's awesome. Well, we're glad you're down there, and we're we're glad you have Wi-Fi. You still have the the poorly lit background, so it's not many things have changed. But we're happy to have you with us and supporting the O's hat right now. Our friend from Maryland, Aiden Collins, who's got to be feeling pretty good right now. Why would I be feeling good? We just got throttled this weekend, so I am not feeling good. I am happy we're in the playoffs. Hopefully, we can pull off a reverse sweep this week. I mean, we're back home, fall break. Tomorrow, I'm off to Scotland, and I, I mean, I'm stoked for that. That's why you were hot to try to record tonight, because you're you're getting out of here. I'm getting out of here tomorrow, yeah, so. Maybe the Scotland trip will make you uh, forget about the, the O's right now. I mean, hey, we're talking about the Orioles in October, though. It's been a while. I remember, I forget what episode it's from. Early in the year, I did say, watch for the O's to be one of the best teams in baseball. You guys doubted me, and here we are. I definitely did doubt you. I do remember you saying that, though, so that's why I wanted to make make a note of, of you wearing the Orioles hat tonight to support the team. Yeah. No, it, it, was, it was another good weekend of ACHA and AAU college hockey. I got to catch a couple of games Friday night. My younger brother, I drove him down to Cyclone Arena, and got to catch his U18 fall game, which I don't know, lost a lot of faith in humanity at that rank watching a U18 split season midget game. The amount of kids with no earpieces just letting the lettuce hang out and tossing the vapes around. And it looked like a lot of kids trying to pretend to be like hockey players and not a lot of kids being hockey players. The, the team they played against too, before every puck drop, every whistle, they were doing like a slow clap with the sticks on the bench. And uh, I was so happy that my brother's team won at the end of the day. I was like, oh, like, let's let's get out of here with 
these wannabe they was like the, they multiplied the freezer tarps kid and they had him on on every line of this team not a, not a great start to the weekend for the ACHA brand I think we were hoping for a closer score between Arizona State and U of A but we'll get to that in a little bit all in all it was a really good weekend anytime you know you could welcome back a great ACHA team in, into the realm it was awesome to see Iowa State hockey is officially back for the first time since they lost in the marathon overtime game in St. Louis in 2022, Iowa State hockey took to the ice after their one-year suspension from their the university. The Cyclones swept the Ducks in front of a record crowd in Ames. 1,128 fans watched Iowa State defeat Oregon 5-2 in their opening game on Friday night at Ames ISU Arena. And then they followed up with a sweep with a 4-1 win on Saturday. Really cool to see Iowa State back. I was honestly surprised by the score. I thought Oregon having played uh, a weekend before that and Iowa State having not played for a year, I thought they'd get off to a shaky start. But Collins, what did you think seeing Iowa State get the the 2-0 sweep this weekend? I think it's safe to say they're back. Super nice having such a legendary program back in the ACHA. Nice seeing some some more competition. I mean, obviously, they've got a long ways to go until they're back where they were. Depending on how the season goes, I think we'll see them as a top 25 bubble team. They're not going to be top five like they used to be, but hopefully that's the goal to get them back to where they used to be and eventually get back to the place where they had three programs and all in all a good weekend for them. It was weird seeing that New Jersey's uh, something a little bit different than what we last saw them with. They went the white helmets instead of the gold buckets. They will play Illinois this weekend. We will get a CSCHL matchup. Our child of the CSCHL David Herman is out tonight. It was a game time decision, but he deserves the rest. He's been going on all cylinders for who knows for how long. We gave him the night off tonight, so we wanted to make sure we made mention of that, but another good one. We had the game of the week last week was the Iron Cup, Bama and Auburn, two teams that, you know, right around Fitzy's neighborhood right now. They squared off in Pelham. Bama won 5-4 in overtime on Friday. Auburn won 6-5 in overtime on Saturday. The perfect rivalry weekend, right? Like two teams going head to head and they both get an overtime win. It doesn't get any closer than that. Yeah, we had some boys actually here talking about uh talking about this game and then once they find found out I was a part of Hockey House Pod, they were asking me about it and I was like I I don't know if I'm the uh the expert guys. I just I show up and talk on Mondays like you ask one of the other hosts, they'll uh they'll have the answers for you. <laughs> it's pretty cool that um that kind of stuff is it's getting out there and people are interested in it, not just uh, ACHA guys. I got a little nervous, too, because, you know, the week prior, Kentucky unveiled alternate jerseys for their rivalry game and ended up losing. And Bama came out in these black third jerseys. And I was like, oh, no, I've seen this movie before. They got off to a slow start. Auburn had the lead for most of that game. Bama came back and won in overtime. I, I did have a fun fact from the Iron Cup this weekend. Wanted to give a shout out to Chuck Bay on Alabama. He had a 10 minute misconduct for every goal that he had this weekend he had two goals and after each goal he got a 10 minute misconduct for his celebration that's so fucking sick what was the celebration i don't know the the dm hold on let me let me make sure i i I pull it up to read it yeah chuck bay got a penalty every time he scored a goal for unsportsmanlike conduct i replied how many times did this happen and then she said twice his only only goals he had he got a he got a misconduct after each of them so that's rivalry right you know you're gonna say some stuff after the goals and and maybe the refs don't want to hear that so fun little fact from this weekend at the iron cup but really cool honestly i I think the the biggest winner from this is 
AAU. I mean, AAU Division One. you have two teams going head-to-head and they get a weekend split, both winning in overtime. I think it just goes to show that those are, you know, two of the top teams in AAU Division One. We've talked about all the blowouts we've seen so far, but when you have two of the best teams going head-to-head and they give you overtime hockey on both nights i think that's quite the treat so sticking with aau wanted to give a shout out to stony brooks aau team they had a a pretty tough year last year i I remember them playing against hofstra ubs arena i think like hofstra won by a bunch this weekend they went for the long island sweep they defeated hofstra and farmingdale huge turnaround for the seawolves they have a fresh new jersey set want to give a shout out to st thomas aquinas stack ice hockey they won their third straight Downing Stevens Tech 7-4. The boys have jumped out to first place in the Metropolitan Collegiate Hockey Conference. And we had, I don't know if you guys saw, a couple Michigans this weekend as well. I, I think we saw a lot of these last year. We're picking up right where we left off this week. Jace Rerick recorded his second career collegiate Michigan. He had one two years ago for IUP. I want to say it was a finalist for goal of the year. And this time it was against Canisius in a 7-4 win for the hat trick. One of the more interesting Michigans I've ever seen, He there was like a loose puck and he like kind of had a breakaway, but he didn't catch up to the puck in time. And then he circled around the net with the Michigan and did it. So it was like almost like a Michigan off of a breakaway. Got us a highlight, got us a sick goal. Can't complain. And I, that leads me right into the next one. Blake Hansen, we posted this one today. He had one for Penn State Harrisburg in a 10-3 win over Bloomsburg in some DVCHC action. And I thought that one for this one because the Bloomsburg goalie like slides over and he overcommits. And now I'm watching this clip and I'm like, ooh, he he might have been able to wrap it around. But then they actually had a couple defensemen in the crease and they had a Penn State Harrisburg player in the crease too who like kind of set a pick on the goalie trying to come back. So there was a lot going on, a lot of chaos. But we had two Michigans this weekend, so wanted to point them out. Want to give a shout out to, uh, this should probably end up in the stick taps, but we're going through the notes already. But Logan O'Flanagan put the team on his back in Saginaw Valley State this weekend. The sophomore forward from Port Huron, Michigan, had five goals in Saginaw Valley State's home opener win over Fair State. Cardinals won six to four, and he had five of the goals. I think that is the definition of putting the team on his back. They got the weekend sweep after a big 5-1 win over the Bulldogs at Ferris State the night before from Port Huron, Michigan. Fitz, I want to know, have you played the Huron Prowlers in your time in the Fed? Yeah, the, their home rink is actually where um, a lot of the Midwest teams play silver sticks. I had been at that rink when I was a young tyke, and then, yeah, it all came full circle, and Port Huron Prowlers, that's their home rink up there. There you go. I, I thought that sounded familiar. I was I was gonna I was gonna be really bummed if there was other you know places that claimed Huron from the lake. So wanted to make sure we got that right. Speaking of lakes, we had a pond get decreased in size. I don't know if we talked about this before or after recording, but a lot of teams around the country are taking their Olympic sheets and shrinking them. One of those teams to do that, and one of the more famous Olympic sheets is at Mariucci Arena in Minnesota, 3M Arena now. And the Gophers, they shrunk their rink to an NHL size, and one of the first teams to use it was their ACHA team, but it was St. Thomas spoiling the party. They swept the Gophers. St. Thomas, known for spoiling the party, they are the ones who knocked you, Mary, out of the ACHA M2 Nationals last year. They're getting started off on a good foot this year with a sweep over the in-state rival Gophers. We had plenty of sweeps this weekend. Some notable ones, Utah M1, my guys there from the trip out in Utah. They got a big sweep over Grand Canyon. Oakland D3 with a huge sweep over Notre Dame. Those boys are 6-0 and on the season. UCLA had a big sweep over 
Loyola Marymount, UCO swept Maryville. This one was a big one. I honestly thought Maryville was going to get a split here. I, I predicted them to win on Friday night. Saints didn't score a goal all weekend long. Huge road sweep for the Broncos. They won 2 nothing on Friday and 4 nothing on Saturday. And then another team with a big sweep was Northern Michigan. They swept at Oshkosh. They are also 6-0 and on the season. So wanted to get some stick taps to them and some love. Want to move on to some breaking news we had earlier in the week, which I think it will make for some fun conversation on the pod this week. AAU College Hockey Executive Director Scott Solomon hopped on the Overtime Podcast with Jordan DeLuciano. Also, shameless self-plug, but if you haven't checked it out, check out the one with Scott Solomon and the one with me. I hopped on with Jordan the day before they broke the news. Would have been fun to chat with them, but we'll get Jordan on eventually to talk about some AAU things that are happening. But Scott Solomon jumped on, made it official on the Overtime Podcast that AAU college hockey is returning to Iceland for the third straight year to have their national tournament. Scott Solomon talked about a contract they have with Iceland where there was a three-year deal. So we've seen two Fed Cups there, and now they're coming back for a third and final AAU college hockey tournament. All four divisions will hold their tournaments in Westchester, Pennsylvania, beginning on Wednesday, March 6th and ending Wednesday, March 13th. So it'll be a one-week tournament. If you're interested in the league-by-league breakdown, men's Division One will kick things off on Wednesday, March 6th. Women's D1 will start Thursday, March 7th. Men's Division Two will start on their regular time Friday, March 8th. Men's Division Three will start Saturday, March 9th. So just like last year and years prior, Division Two starts Friday, Division Three starts Saturday, but we're getting a head start with Men's D1 Wednesday, Women's D1 on Thursday. Men's and Women's Division One will crown national champions on Sunday, March 10th. Men's Division Two and Division Three will crown national champions on Wednesday, March 13th. Really cool note here is that there's an opportunity for all of the teams in attendance to be there for the men's division one and women's division one national championships, which I think is a really cool opportunity. Would love to see that rank makes me think of like the little league world series game where the MLB teams play and all of the little league world series teams are there in attendance. That'd be pretty cool to see for the men's division one and women's division one national championships at Iceland. If the D two and D three teams all come out, I think that would make for a really cool environment. The breakdown here is men's division two will have 20 teams in a quarterfinal. They will have five pools eight teams will go to the quarters five pool play winners will advance and then there's three wild card spots so that'll make for some really exciting hockey men's division three will have their typical pools semifinals 48 teams in whole coming together for this aau tournament men's division one will have 16 teams there four pools and the winner of each pool going to the semifinals biggest news i think of all all of this and we've talked about this for a while now on the pod There are no more ties in the national tournament at the AAU level. No more ties. Scott Solomon, and I quote, I don't want to have an undefeated team go home after pool play, a.k.a. the South Carolina rule. We saw it last year where South Carolina went 2-0-1 and they got sent home because of goal differential. And it's just a bummer to see. They're like the UCF. They went home from the national term without a loss. I think they deserve to hang a banner for that one. It'll be continuous overtime. He said, we have the time and we want the best possible results. Collins, you've been to the Fed Cup. You've been to the AAU College Hockey National Tournament. What are your thoughts on these changes? I personally, I feel like they've made the correct changes. A lot of teams going to the tournament. It's going to be for make for some exciting hockey at Iceland. 
Yeah, I 100% agree. This is, I think, the change we needed. This isn't soccer. This is hockey. We don't end in ties. Do you know if they mentioned if it's five on five continuous or is it three on three? For anyone listening who who wants to learn more, head to the AAU Hockey Overtime Podcast with Jordan DeLuciano and Scott Solomon. But I, they did not mention that. I originally thought it was going to be three on three. I know there is no shootout. It's continuous overtime. That makes me think that it's going to be five on five. I honestly don't know if they have to do five on five. Like I think three on three or even four on four continuous. I know world juniors does three on three, which makes for some really exciting hockey. I think in pool play three on three is fine. And then you save the continuous for afterwards, but that's a really good question. And one we'll have to follow up with for Scott, but no ties is is such a big one. We'll be stretched pretty thin. We we're obviously going to try to find a way to make both work. It sounds like in years to come, they are going to try to move this tournament elsewhere. But I think Iceland is a really good spot for it. It seems like all the teams love going there. It sounded like they want to head a little further south to a more of a neutral location for those college hockey South teams and even some of those ACC teams that will have to make the trip up here. But Fitz, I know you haven't had the chance to kind of soak in the the AAU college hockey stuff. You've kind of gotten it from an outsider's perspective, but anything that sticks out to you? I know you're a baseball guy, so maybe like the word wild card sticks out to you. That's exactly what I was thinking when you said they're expanding the playoffs. Um, That seems to be a theme around sports everywhere. But uh, I think that's good for the major sports. It's usually means more money for them, but I think it's it's good for for the guys playing. I mean, I'm a guy who never got to even go to regionals, came up one spot short two years in a row. That's something that I've always lived with, and I, I think this is awesome. It's it just gives more opportunities for guys to show what they can do. I think to a scenario where that wild card spot comes into play is if. One team in the pool goes three and zero, and then the other team goes two zero and one with that overtime loss coming to the team that went three and zero. Then you got two pretty good teams moving on. I think it'll make for some interesting. Like in years past, it is goal differential deciding the winner of the pool. Now we don't have that, so it'll be goal differential deciding who are these three wild card teams. And I think it'll make for some very exciting hockey, especially on the final day of pool play. But the other thing, too, I'm really looking forward to seeing what that national championship game looks like for men's division one, women's division one. There's nothing worse than that game. I feel like across the board, that game is just usually played at a weird time and there's not a lot of people there. It's usually just like the parents of the both teams. I know we got a big crowd of Binghamton and Fairfield fans there last year, but it'll be cool to have that place packed out for the national championship game with all those teams in attendance, kind of seeing the best that the AAU has to offer. So if you want any more, head to the Overtime Podcast. Check that out. Also, a couple of of tidbits from the show as well. AAU College Hockey is going to do AAU All-Americans this year. They're going to have a first team, second team, et cetera. Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, AAU All-Americans like you see in other sports that AAU has. They're also going to do an All-Star Challenge event at Panthers Ice Den, home of FAU down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. April 12th to 14th, it is going to coincide with their annual meetings. So all the coaches and the best players are going to go down to Florida. They're going to do a huge event. The six conference all-star teams will play against each other in a Ryder Cup style format. There's going to be points for winning the period, points for goal differential, points for shutouts. Divisions don't matter. So, you know, College Hockey South, they have three divisions. They're going to send the best players. So you might get some South Carolina guys. You might get some Florida Southern guys. You might get some FAU guys on the team. So that'll be really cool to see. I think that's going to be cool for the players to, you know, get a trip to Fort Lauderdale and uh, enjoy some time. And then the coaches also going down there to get to see 
the best players play here. So that is going to be something that the AAU is launching. So we wanted to give that a shout as well. Again, we talked about it on the pod, but also got into a conversation with Jordan DeLuciano about jerseys. We talked about the USF jerseys and their battle, the beach jerseys, which I think we mentioned on the pod, but they were so popular on social media that they are coming back out with another jersey order. So it just goes to show you the power of social media, not only the power of social media, but like people just love jerseys. Like, we, we talk about it all the time. If you have a good jersey, it's an instant fundraiser for your team. Wanted to give the boys at USF a shout-out and, you know, the squad at Verbero for making that possible for them to keep doing a jersey order. Fitz, have you been on for the Hammerina hot seat? Have you heard about this segment? I, I was on the night you uh, introduced it, yes. I couldn't remember how long you've been out for, but we are back with the Hammerina hot seat. Three persons, people, places, things, whatever, anyone and everything can end up on the hot seat. And this week, we're going to start off with the Sisters of the Poor. They are on the hot seat this week. An all-time quote from ASU's head coach, Greg Powers, ahead of their exhibition with the University of Arizona. He was on a radio show. He was talking about the rivalry, talking about how they have the block A on their jersey and we don't care. And he said, we don't really care if they're club, intramural, varsity, the little Sisters of the Poor, we're going after them. And he didn't hold back. ASU beat U of A in an NCAA ACHA exhibition 16 to nothing. I'm getting texts from all kinds of people like you watch it. I, I think I was driving. So a lot of people text me assuming I was watching, but I got texts from friends like, oh no, this is ugly. Collins is texting me that it's getting out of hand. And I'm like, I see the score six, nothing. I'm like, all right, six, nothing after two. No, it was six, nothing after one couple notes from the game that I think are worth mentioning. Arizona kept their starter in the entire game. I don't know if that is because he's that much better than the second and third string, but that's a lot of manpower for, you know, one guy in the crease to, I don't take handle. I mean, you know, even if even Patrick wall wandered out after nine goals in Montreal. So I can only imagine how this guy felt, especially with how rowdy the student section was behind him all night with a minute 30 to go all time clip. ASU came in, registered their 69th shot on goal. The student section cheered so loud for the 69th shot on goal. The hockey ops people in the arena played the goal horn. Everybody in the arena thought it was a goal because they cheered so loud for the 69th shot on net. Such a funny clip. Just kind of goes to show you, you know, college kids at a hockey game, they got nothing to cheer for up 16 to nothing. And they're continuing to have fun. Also want to point out for context that ASU's ACHA team had played Arizona a couple weeks prior on September 23rd, and they had beaten them four to two. So very tough environment for U of A to go into after losing to their ACHA team a couple weeks prior to going into Mullet Arena. The place was packed out for the, I'd say the first half of the game, right? The couple empty seats towards the end of the game, but the student section was there all night long. Just tough for U of A. And I, and I texted Collins this. I said, it's, it's the, gotta be the new helmets. They rock in the white helmets with the, the blue jerseys and the red shells. And it, it was a tough look and I'm glad the game wasn't on national TV. Maybe we thought it should have been earlier in the week. Next up on the hot seat. And uh, they can honestly thank the Indiana Hoosiers for the spot that they are in right now. I'm throwing Cincinnati on the hot seat. I've just seen too many dancing TikToks for my liking. They are one in eight on the year. They are at the bottom of the TSCHL right now. They got swept by Ohio this weekend. They got swept by Indiana the weekend before that. I mean, tough weekend against Adrian's M1 team earlier in the year. That's fine. Listen, stuff happens. You get off to a bad start, but we can't have the dance and TikToks during practice. We can't have those happening. We can't have those seeing the light of day right now. We got to focus on bigger issues right now. Like I said, I love their social media team. They do a phenomenal job, but I think the boys 
on the ice have to step it up. They're making me come on here and sound like Don Cherry saying enough with the TikTok dances. I sent it to the group chat, but Fitz, I don't know if you saw this one too. I, you get the TikTok chirps a lot too, but you got to have something to back back it up with, right? I don't know what happened to Cincy because they used to be sick when I was playing back in the day. But yeah, I feel like some some of the leaders on the team kind of have have to have some feel there and just kind of step up and be like, even film them and put them in the hopper. And then like you could release them later, like once things are kind of going better. And but yeah, you got to have some feel there. Yeah, I know from a, a content perspective. I remember when we did our third jersey reveal last year, we filmed my 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 buddy Vinny and I, we filmed like a couple of TikToks in us in full gear. And like you guys know, like any video of athletes dancing in full gear, like people just eat that stuff up on the internet. So like I kind of knew it had like the the viral material and I was just like waiting and waiting, waiting for like a time where like we, we were good enough to like get away with posting that. And then sure enough, like I re-downloaded TikTok. And when you re-download TikTok, your drafts get deleted. So those TikToks just never saw the light of day. But to your point, Fitzy, like throw that in the drafts, get a couple wins in your belt and keep moving. But Collins, you know, too, from the content perspective, like you want to put out the best stuff possible, but there's definitely a time and the place. And when the team is one and eight, it, it, it's tough to come up with stuff to post. Yeah, that's that's not the best time. I We're two and three, two and four right now. And so I, I've been kind of avoiding stuff on TikTok. And I mean, there's a time and a, time and a place, exactly. But in the words of, of Paul Bissonnette, enough with the TikToks. Focus on getting four lines deep. Get the power play humming. You know, get the boys going. It's not a good look. Uh, and I totally get it. Like, you want people to come to your games. You want to get your name out there. Maybe focus on hype videos. Maybe focus on social media around changing the narrative that that would be my suggestion focus on like down but not out kind of content if you get what i mean or or rager at the hockey house too. get get the boys going get the boys juiced again get the vibes up and uh get after it so we want to send some good vibes to cincinnati's way but we're, we're throwing them on the hot seat this week for, for the TikTok dances. Heading on the hot seat this week in the third and final spot is U Tampa on Friday night. South Carolina posted on the Instagram story that U Tampa had forgotten to pay the electric bill and that their game versus the Spartans had been delayed. Don't know if there's any truth to this one. It could just be South Carolina up to their old tricks on Instagram, but the, the game did get delayed. It is a nice reminder to pay your bills at the end of the month. Didn't matter for the Spartans, though. They won 5-2 to two before the team skated to a 2-2 tie on Sunday. I saw a tweet from South Carolina that said the refs said we're not doing a shootout. I've seen this before happen before too. Like shootouts take like three minutes. Like why, why can't we, again, maybe, you know, you get into like one of those record breaking shootouts where it goes 17 rounds. Like the odds of ha- that happening are very slim. I can't stand when refs are like, Hey, let's, let's get out of here. Like it's a shootout. W- what are you waiting for? The Taco Bell drive-thru will be open. It'll, it'll be okay. I, I think that kind of shows you where where the refs' priorities are at. They don't want to be there. They just want to go home. And, I mean, you notice it sometimes, too, at the at the end of games where five minutes left in the third period, things are getting really chippy. Refs are letting it fly because they just want to get out of there. They don't want to deal with, you know, having to eject a kid or, you know, have to do all that fucking paperwork. So they got places to be. But also at the same time, like I said earlier, this isn't soccer. And I mean, watch this tie come back and bite someone in the ass at the end of the regular season. I'm, it 100% will. Well, I thought it was funny, too. Speaking of ties, we I think we talked about this a couple episodes ago, but it was interesting to see Alabama won Friday night and like they tweeted the final score like Alabama beats Auburn 5-4 in overtime. Auburn won in overtime the next night. And Alabama tweets out, Auburn scores in overtime, 
five, five final, right? Because it goes in the books as a tie <laughs> and it's the classic, like when you win, you, you, you count it as a win, you post the score, but when you lose in overtime or the shootout, you post it as a tie, just only ACHA AAU college hockey things. Wanted to give stick taps this week to Jorgen Johnson, the netminder for Montana State. He got off to a hot streak starting the season with three shutout victories. And I sent it to the chat. They posted about his three shutout victories. And then what did he do in the first period of his fourth game? Let in one. A phenomenal streak. I can't imagine the confidence that you must have being a netminder starting the year with three straight shutouts. Three straight shutouts has to be just an unreal feeling. Like, that's so sick. Last year we had our one guy, Dimitri. Uh, I think he went two and three quarters of a game without letting up a goal. That in itself is is unheard of. There's nothing worse as a team seeing that you're running headfirst into one of the hottest goalies in the league. That's a terrifying feeling because you know for a fact you got to work 10 times as hard to try and to try and get a goal like the intimidation factor and then also just once you're in that mental mindset where you find your game it like for guys who aren't goalies it's a lot like golf like once you find your rhythm you feel unbeatable the one thing to keep in mind though with that is one bad game can lead you to just a horrible slump i think that's one of the most interesting things about goaltending is just the mental aspect of it and the the mindset aspect of it is such a big player into how well a goalie will perform. Clearly, this guy is just on it right now. So big props to him. He let one in in the first period in their game against Weber State. They still went on to win 5-2, to two, so he clearly found his rhythm. I'm sure it was a bummer that the shutout streak ended, but it's also kind of a monkey off his back. You know, now he can just focus on stopping as many pucks as possible. He also celebrated a birthday this weekend, too, so we wanted to make sure we gave plenty of stick taps to Jorgen Johnson for the Montana State University hockey program. Now it's time to throw it over to an interview with Gage Thrall from Grand Valley State University's ACHA M1 team. As always, this week's interview is brought to you by OptumX Sports. OptumX provides teams the opportunity to build and manage their own website. And the best part is these guys know club hockey. So be sure to check them out using the link in our bio. And if you're interested in signing up for OptumX, be sure to use our referral link at OptumXSports.com slash signup slash hockey house pod that's optimxsports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod like i mentioned they know club hockey they know what you want and what is going to make your team succeed on and off the ice so be sure to check them out you can add a team store on your site you can sell tickets you can do merchandise you can even make payments no more dues on venmo don't do that you're going to get in a lot of trouble it's tough to manage money head to optimxsports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod to sign up today now we'll turn it over to our interview with Gage Thrall. We're pleased to be joined by Grand Valley State University senior forward from Davidson, Michigan, number 12, Gage Thrall. Gager, welcome to the Hockey House Pod. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys reaching out for this and just being a good podcast for our team to look into as well as the whole country to look at. Yeah, we're, we're psyched to have you on. We've been following Grand Valley State for a couple of years. Looking back at the history of it, I didn't realize that you guys have only been in ACHA M1 for a little bit of time now. Yeah, so it was pretty much when the COVID shutdown happened as well. When we made that transition. So I started 
uh, my freshman year in 2019. And then 2020 is when COVID hit just after my freshman year. That was the summer that we made that jump. One season down, we didn't have any hockey during that first year of COVID. Coming back in 2021, 22 season is when we made that opening year in the D1 program. Yeah, it's it's been fun to watch you guys grow, uh, even just in the last 12 months as a whole. But let's talk about the start of this season. You guys are 4-0 at the ACHA M1 level. You got sweeps over John Carroll and Indiana Tech. I know you guys brought in a couple of D3 transfers, good recruiting class. Like, what has that been like getting on the ice and getting off to a good start? It's been awesome so far. Yeah, we brought in a couple of D3 guys from all over the country, actually. One from Wisconsin, a couple of boys out of, like, juniors coming through, some null tenders and all that type of stuff. So just jumping on the ice, trying to get meshed for that first couple of weeks of games was awesome. The intensity level was so high. We like to do competition games, so coming and we were already buzzing throughout the whole first couple practices and it was something that we were proud of because we haven't seen competition or practices at that level in a while so usually it takes us a couple months to get into some of those practices where you're like wow we look good as a team but we started strong right off the bat and obviously it showed or when John Carroll came to us and then when we hosted and went to Indiana Tech sweeping both those teams and yeah 4-0 for a start in the first couple weeks of hockey is awesome for us. Yeah, and it kind of builds off of the success that you guys had last season. I think one of the best records in the ACHA heading into the national tournament. And I know you guys probably weren't as high up in the rankings as you you thought you would be with that kind of record. Talk to us a little bit about growing up in Michigan and your hockey journey that led you to Grand Valley State. Yeah, so I started hockey when I was three years old. I'm the first one in my family to ever play the sport. So I'm not sure where I decided I wanted to play hockey because my parents just told me one day I just told them I wanted to play. So I grew up in a small town, so hockey wasn't really the sport to play. So we traveled at least an hour each direction, trying to find a team for me to play. Uh, I jumped around, not team after team, but I went from playing in Lapeer, Michigan, which is another small town, to playing down in Troy, Metro Detroit, up to Saginaw. And so I've been around like the whole east side of the state, just playing for teams. Coming out of high school, I played two years of high school, had the opportunity to play in Wisconsin for juniors, but I decided juniors wasn't going to be my gig. And I would rather pursue a college degree, found out that Grand Valley had hockey. That was after I already applied and was accepted into the school. Figured I'd give it a try and called up the coach and just so happened to be Coach Carl Trozin, but he's the PNW coach now. He accepted me in full arms, which was awesome. And uh, we still have a great relationship even till today. That's got to be a, a nice feeling when the coach gets a call from a Mr. Michigan finalist. Walk us through like your high school hockey career a little bit because high school hockey in a lot of spots isn't as popular as it is in a place like Michigan. Like how cool is that to get to represent, you know, your high school, looking at the numbers, you put up a, a lot of points in your senior year. Like that must've been a good time. I didn't start high school hockey until my junior year coming through i played the triple a and double a type of realm traveling all over the place and decided it was time to stay home when i was like 16 i believe so coming back to high school hockey it was just a great time i knew all the guys on the team played other sports along with those guys the coach doug tyler he was awesome he he was the guy that had a legacy throughout the high school he coached so many different players even guys went to high school that are now like my parents age so he's been there forever great coach he's 
very hard on you. He wants you to succeed as much as he wants the team to succeed. He knows what the guys are capable of. So he pushed me a lot throughout high school. He he put me on a line with two great wingers. We just kind of had a rolling season. Junior year, we had a great team. I believe we won our regional finals, which is a big thing for our school because we did not make it very far through playoffs after the regular season. So winning the regional finals to go and have uh, a chance, like the Michigan title was awesome. We ended up losing in double overtime to Brother Rice, was a big school in Metro Detroit. Just knowing we got there was awesome. And then senior year, coming back, still had the same two line mates and we rolled it. All I can remember is goals after goals and We had about 27 games that season. I scored a point or had an assist in 26 of the 27 games. It was a rolling, rolling season. And then, of course, at the end, accolades come out with uh, record books and all that for me. No, high school is awesome. And then going and being voted for Mr. Hockey, that was awesome, too. So it's like the dream team was the top five players in the in the state all divisions so being able to hold a spot up there against some of the top schools in the state was awesome you mentioned the the points that you and your line mates were were putting up elite prospects has you listed as 93 points 54 goals in 25 games that was enough to not only be on the dream team but invited to the national invitational walk us through that because i think that's an opportunity that a lot of states don't have you got to play against some of the the best players from around the country yeah it was a great time so the invitational team there was some tryouts for that there was like three rounds of cuts so being able to make it through all three rounds and being selected for i believe we had 25 or 28 guys in the, on the roster so that was a great opportunity i met some great friends from just around the state that i've never met before learned a little bit about where they grew up some guys from the up guys from the west side of the state at the time and it was just awesome we ended up going to minnesota and played a that invitational um, which consisted of the top minnesota team in the in the state over there as well as some teams from the surrounding states so it was just high level high school hockey and it was a blast we had a charter bus take us over there being able to experience that for the first time being on a charter like closed quarters in a hotel with the team and the hockey over there was unreasonable like it was just high level a lot of skill guys as well as a lot of power guys so just seeing the mix and the clash between that how that all kind of came together as well as seeing juniors coaches up in the stands and those talks after the games as well was just a feeling and experience that i will never forget and I'm sure you can you can point to this as well in your time at Grand Valley State. It feels like the ACHA used to be filled with guys who either just came straight from high school. It seems now it's more popular than ever for juniors players to commit after a couple of years and come to the ACHA. What was your thought process in going to school right away? My thought process, because growing up, I had all the, the friends that were older than me that played hockey from playing up a few years. But I guess the being scared of being a 21 year old freshman was really the biggest thing for me. Plus, like leaving home and doing all the traveling. I wasn't exactly sure if I wanted to travel anymore for hockey because travel hockey kind of burning me out in a sense, having to leave hours before like a practice or any of that, having to miss all sorts of things. So I was kind of on the fence with that. Then I found Grand Valley and just fell in love with the school itself, then found out they had a hockey team. And that's kind of what my career has changed into was going to school and then finding out hockey and being in love with not only the program, but 
having a successful program and just having a great career here so far. I'm looking up and down the the Grand Valley State roster right now. Lots of Michigan boys. It feels like you Michigan boys love to stay close to home. Was there any other schools in Michigan with ACHA programs that you looked at? When I was looking at college, I started off looking for an engineering degree. So I was kind of looking at engineering schools. Um, So being from the east side of the state, I looked at like Saginaw Valley State University, uh, Central Michigan University, which they both had a hockey program. Um, And those were kind of the couple that I was looking at. Yeah, our team is filled with Michigan boys. So um, whether they're from juniors or just straight out of high school, we we like to keep the Michigan guys around. Like we mentioned, there's it seems like the trend is we're getting more juniors players playing the ACHA every year. And you guys have a lot of guys who played Michigan high school hockey. I think that just goes to show the quality of high school hockey in Michigan. Let's fast forward to your freshman year, though. You get on campus. You guys are playing an ACHA M2 during your freshman year. What was that like? Was there a welcome to the ACHA moment for you that, you know, maybe you weren't expecting your freshman year? There really was a big moment. So we started off in uh, Division Two, and our first weekend was against Adrian Division One. That was like the welcome to the big boy league, welcome to college hockey. We started off hitting it strong, and obviously their program is a phenomenal program, and I believe the score was like 14-0 to them at the end of the first game, and it was definitely like a, this is different than high school. This is going from a smaller high school hockey to the big league and the big college hockey with all these guys that are probably close to five years older than me and never really playing with people that much older than me. And it was like, wow, this is great hockey for them, I guess. And we ended up after that, we had a great year. Didn't end up making it to nationals, but we made it to the uh, regional finals. And it was just a great experience that first year, welcoming myself as well as the other freshmen to the campus and the program. You were named the 2019 2020 most valuable player for Grand Valley. Talk about the adjustment to college hockey. Like, it seems like you were pretty comfortable, 44 points in your freshman year. What were some things that you remember and stood out to you from that year? I guess the, the first one would be that Adrian game. I can remember a few games throughout the year. I remember road trips, having like real road trips with the boys and bunking forward to a room, um, the long bus trips. A few of the games stand out a lot, just playing with a line that I've obviously never played before, meeting the guys and seeing where I fit best in the system and what roles I can handle was kind of just an awesome experience. I think I rolled the PP and PK as well as just being on the one or two lines up there. So it was a lot of ice time for me coming off of high school. It was just a great experience. The season ends with COVID. You know, everybody goes home early. You guys, they announced over the offseason that you guys are going to transition to Division One. Was that something that had been talked about when you were in like the recruiting process? Did you know that they were looking to go Division One? So during the recruiting process, I did not know much about it. Um, and if something came across and I heard it, I didn't really know what that meant at that time. Later in the year, obviously, I started to figure out more about it. I became closer with Coach Trojan. We kind of talked about it. We had plans of me holding like a executive board officer position for the upcoming year. Towards the end of the year, I kind of knew the switch was going to happen. I didn't know what it entailed and what how it was going to kind of come about. It kind of just one day to me, at least, Coach Carl came up and said we were transitioning. Obviously, that's an, like an exciting factor. You want you want to be like the highest college hockey player you can be in the division, and you want to bring the team as high as they can go. But also, it was knowing 
how we fared against Adrian in those first weekends. It was kind of like a, a scary factor. Like, how are we going to uh, adjust to this? Like, who are we going to bring in? Our team at that time was mainly seniors. So we knew we were going to bring in some more guys. So it was just a whole whole change of a realm. And a lot of things went through my mind at that point on how we may fare at the, the D1 level. But then fast forwarding to the year that I did not play at Grand Valley. And then last year, it was kind of like an eye opener that we have the guys that can play. We we show that we can put in a team with our name and that we can um, run a force through through um, the Division One level for sure. Yeah, it's been cool to watch the, the last couple of years. Talk about that season, your sophomore year of school, you guys don't get to touch the ice at all. Was there ever any thought of you guys having a season or did you kind of know right away that it just wasn't going to work out? It was pretty much right off the bat. We we knew we weren't going to have a season. A couple weeks into the school year, we had tryouts. Like just after tryouts, we heard we weren't going to have a season, that all club sports on campus were going to be shut down uh, because of this COVID, which really was unfortunate. We ended up being able to practice two days a week. I think it was like a Tuesday, Thursday. We were able to secure ice and get the guys out there, but it wasn't the same. We had to check in with like a trainer before the practice. We had to wear masks on the ice. So it was just a lot of different things we had to go and a lot of protocols we had to follow in order to be able to have our ice. I think someone from club sports was at the rink for every practice, making sure we had our mask on and all this other protocols were being followed. It was kind of like a downer of a season. Like, is it even worth it anymore kind of thing? The depression from having all this stuff going on in the outside world, as well as my favorite thing in the in the world being taken away. So definitely a hard time for me as well as the other guys, but we still were able to get on the ice. We, we made the most of it. I think Tuesdays we practiced normal Thursdays. We made it fun and had like a three on three league throughout the program. So we were able to enjoy it as much as we could. But COVID that time was kind of was a really rough program. We had guys that were coming and going. They just didn't see the point in playing anymore. So um, it kind of messed up our meshing with the team as well as emotionally having guys like your your friends are pretty much saying they're done with hockey and you may not see them for a while so it was just a hard time talk about the the transition into the following year you guys kicked off the season against Dearborn what was that weird like playing in your first games back since you know what felt like forever after that COVID year, I transferred out to play lacrosse. And then coming back this past year, actually, playing the first weekend against Dearborn, not really being on the ice in, in a year, and then not playing a game in two years. It was like, let's go. Like, we're back in hockey. Like, we're all the hype was up. I was pumped. We played at Dearborn. That bus ride was hectic. We left early, but somehow we caught, we got caught in the Dearborn traffic. So we ended up getting through rink literally 15 minutes beforehand. No stretches, no outside off-ice warm-up like we were used to. Getting there, get, pretty much getting dressed and getting on the ice for the, the warm-up was it. It was just awesome. Just kind of reestablish myself on the ice and just feel myself moving around. Those feelings that it's what a memory that I will never forget. I think you guys posted me on the, the Hockey House Instagram, the one 
hit that I had. So seeing you guys follow that as well as uh, the team and finding them on the ice as well as my role within the program again was just an awesome feeling. Yeah, so I, I didn't even realize I, I read the note wrong. I thought that you had played in that first game back against Dearborn and then transferred. Walk us through your decision to step away from hockey and go kind of chase your, your college lacrosse dream. It obviously stemmed from that COVID year, not having hockey. As the, the school year went on, in that end of that second semester, we still weren't sure if we would have a program for the following year. I ended up changing my major throughout that year into finance. So it was kind of like a a fresh start, I guess. I was hoping to rejuvenate myself and get going, finding to see if college was really my thing, which I'm glad that I I found what I was passionate about and still am in college. I knew some buddies that went to Albion College. Uh, They played NCAA lacrosse there. The coach actually tried recruiting me for lacrosse season when I was in high school. So I went and talked to him for a little bit. He ended up saying like, I would have a, a spot on the team if I transferred. And so I ended up making that decision to transfer to see if school was still my thing. And then as well as being able to play a sport, because at that time, all NCAA sports were still in session. So it was kind of a a decision that was tough because leaving the guys at Grand Valley, going to meet new, new guys, but being away from like, I guess, a home away from home was a hard decision. But I ended up you know, like the reason I'm back is because I regretted that decision. So it ended up turning around and I'm back at Grand Valley. So it's it's awesome to be back. The guys, um, they welcomed me with full arms every weekend that I wasn't playing the cross. I was at the hockey rink in Grand Rapids, watching them, cheering them on, um, hanging with them on the weekends. And it was awesome to keep those connections with the guys as, as this time went on, even though I made that decision to leave. What is the biggest difference between a college hockey locker room and a college lacrosse? locker room there's a lot different for sure the guys just weren't as like tight-knit there wasn't like the goofiness going around the locker room or it was kind of more groups of people that were friends and that's kind of how it was it wasn't like one big friend group it was like little groups here and there that kind of hung out and it just wasn't the same it wasn't the fun like you showed up to the locker room you knew what you were getting and in the in the hockey locker room you never can expect what's going to come you can expect the goofy guys to be goofy but what they are going to do you never know so um, I did miss that I did miss just the certain guys in the locker room that I had good friendships with, whether they were across the locker room from me and we made eye contact every once in a while or uh, next to me in the stall. It was just awesome to come back and have those friendships again and see what a hockey locker room is compared to the lacrosse one because they're two different sides of the spectrum for sure. You mentioned the the challenge you guys had played against Adrian in an exhibition and, you know, knowing Adrian, you know, those are high intensity games. They love to score a lot of goals. They're physical. They love to chirp. And that seems to be the beast of the ACHA in your neck of the woods right now. They go on while you're playing lacrosse, they go on and they beat Adrian in the playoffs and then eventually win the, the Great Lakes Conference Championship. Was that tough to be on the outside looking at the boys and seeing the success that they had? For sure it was like, obviously I wanted to be in there. I wanted to, cause all this was going on in the winter semester. Um, so around December, knowing that I could have been on that team and could have had a, a season with the guys and shared all those memories was something that I wish I had. Then again, I was always cheering them on. Like I talked to a few of them um, on a daily basis. So I knew what was happening around. I was always just 
keeping in touch and trying to make sure like I was that supportive friend, even though I wasn't there just to make sure like they knew they could do it and keep it up. But yeah, I know those accomplishments that they made and that title that they took, um, especially against Adrian was something that I was not only surprised, but I was super proud of the guys. I was super proud of the team. Adrian's just that much of a program. Like actually in my uh, freshman year, playing they took us swept us every weekend we played them so it was just unreal to be able to not only hear from them how excited they were to defeat them especially for the title but just hear how the program was doing in general and so you step into that locker room after they close out the year with the conference championship they didn't make the national tournament what was it like walking into the locker room that has obviously changed as you've been there they've proven that they can play at the division one level were there high expectations going into last season uh, there were some high expectations at first. Um, we had the coaching change to start start off the year. We knew what type of guys we had and we knew what type of hockey we wanted to play and what we could play. So it was high expectations. We wanted to have a great year and just bring it all to the ice. Coming out strong against Dearborn that first weekend we played, that we could do it. We still had the intensity. We still had everything that was going right for us. We found our little niche. So we do things here and there that would help us in the long run of a game. Our coaches were just very supportive as well. They knew what we just come off of. So they were right there. They wanted to know what they could do to support us. For myself coming back, it was where do I fit in in this role now? So I had a little bit of a slow start last year just to try and see what is my new role? Where do I fit? But once I found that groove, not only myself, but the whole team kind of took off as we took on the season. Um, we had great road trips, sweeping teams at our house, and it was just a blast last year. And um, so far, that energy has transferred over into this year, which is just an unforgettable experience walk us through the great lakes collegiate hockey league there's a lot of really good teams you have calvin who's been on the rise obviously adrian's been at the top for a while purdue northwest is on the rise you guys have been up in the rankings as well like who are some of your favorite teams to battle against out there we gotta go number one would be crosstown rival with calvin they always have a great program um, whether it's at their barn or ours it's close enough for their fans come here or our fans go there so it's just a great time to pack the place um, so that brings in a lot of energy and then we usually have a great competition throughout the the two teams adrian's also a great one to get to they always bring the highest energy and the highest level of competition to the to the ice just knowing that we're out there against them and trying to stay with them as they're a national contender every year is always a great time. And then, of course, this past year with our former coach, Carl, going down to PNW. So playing them was trying to always be like another rivalry just because of the coaching staff. So we tried to get on their radar and try and take it to them as much as we could throughout the year. Any of those those teams I listed or, you know, a couple others, are there any long bus rides or are you guys keeping it pretty close and, and doing some home and home games? Most of the time it's home and home. So I think PNW is our longest longest trip which isn't bad it's like two and a half or three hours on a on a bad day so it's not a bad bus drive to adrian's about two hours i think we have a couple that are kind of long but they're not terrible to where it's like hours and hours enough for like a nap and a good bite to eat and they'll be there pretty much so no nothing too bad but we try and do a home and home we went down to pnw twice last year and they came to us once as well as splitting with adrian so it's not too terrible of a drive to get them to come here or us to go there so does that mean you guys are, are rarely staying in hotels for the most part it's all it's all bus and day trips 
Pretty much, yes. So the longest that we'll go is like one night, usually in a hotel. Coming up this weekend, we go down to Illinois. So we'll be overnighting there. But usually it's those over four and a half, five hour drives is when we will take a night there. Adrian, we usually do a bus there and back in one night. PW will go there and back in a night. Toledo even will go there and back. So it's, yeah, we rarely have hotels throughout the year. I think last year we had two overnights before we got to Boston. So it wasn't very much we spent in the hotel, a lot of just bus rides pretty much. In your time in the ACHA, what has been your favorite place to play on the road and what is your least favorite place to play on the road? So I guess my favorite place would be when we went to St. Louis my freshman year. We were able to play in the Blues practice facility, which I believe is where nationals are held this year. And that rink was just phenomenal. Seeing all the different rinks in the pro shop and they had an outdoor rink at the time we were there. They had so many different sheets of ice. It was just an awesome facility. The lighting was always bright so you didn't have to deal with like dim lights or that. Least favorite? Oh, probably Toledo. Toledo's just that one barn that somehow when we get there, it's always 20 minutes before the game. Just so happens we can never get there early. But it's like a dimmer place. The locker rooms are small, so we split up into a couple of them. It just doesn't seem to work how we want it to. Like We end up coming away with a win, but it's always one of those tough grinds at the Toledo barn. Now, how much of last year are you guys keeping an eye on the rankings? Because that seems to be a big topic of discussion in our league in the ACHA division one level did you guys kind of have a feeling that second semester that you were going to be in the conversation to go to nationals we knew it was going to be tough like we obviously weren't given a spot towards the end of the year we kind of knew we had to do a couple things in order to obtain a spot to secure one so we obviously made sure that those were addressed and we knew what we had to do to get it done and obviously our team was able to come together and and get those last couple wins in order for us to get a spot. But we do keep an eye on rankings just because we always want to be closer to the top, of course. And we know what teams are around us that are in our league or who we play and where they stand. So we always just want to try and jump up the rankings. So it's always on the back burner type of thing for us. It's not uh, something that we we look at on a daily basis or that we have to look at. It's just kind of, we know it's there. We know where we are and we know where our competition is. So if we have a good weekend, we can bump up a couple, but we know that if we fall on a weekend, we will probably drop a couple. So it's on, on the awareness for the boys for sure. And so you get to the end of the year, you guys clinch a spot at nationals. You mentioned a couple overnights on the way to Boston. You guys bust there. What were some memories on that trek to Boston? I think on the night we were headed to Boston, we obviously took the longer route going around the, like down through Ohio and over instead of jumping through Canada. But I think we had a snowstorm just outside of Boston. We were like three hours away. And then it was just like, instead of going 70 on the highway, we were doing 25 maybe. And it was just traffic and lots of snow. I remember every time I looked at the GPS to when we were arriving at the hotel, the time got longer and longer just because of that traffic and the snow. It was something that we just didn't expect on the way over there. But um, just having those normal bus rides where we're having fun, we're playing games on our phones, uh, watching movies. It was just something that you can't forget. It's a time that I 
I'm glad I got to share with the guys. And yeah, it was just something that we didn't expect, and but it, we made the most of it for sure. So is is that what we'll uh, we'll give an excuse for the the slow start in Game One against Buffalo was the bus ride? <laughs> we'll, we'll toss it out to that. <laughs> just talk about that game. Like what what's yeah. going through your head? Because I mean, we were in the rink and we're like, oh my gosh, Buffalo is leading Grand Valley. Like what's going yeah. on here? But I mean, there had to have been some jitters, right? First game at, at nationals in, in program history. Yes, for sure. So first game. We knew we knew it wasn't going to be easy coming out against Buffalo. Yeah, we had a slow start. I think it was in the in between the first and second that intermission. We kind of got the boys riled up in the locker room. I don't know what music we were playing or what, but it just pumped us up. And then I think after that, we just we came back, tied it up, and then we were able to take the lead in the third. No, it was great. Once we we put a couple in, obviously they seemed to keep flowing. The boys on the bench just seemed to be more rowdy and be more into the game. We all had the goal of making it the furthest we could in nationals. Something I can't forget, just coming back and hearing everyone yell, hearing everyone like so hyped up about a goal or a hit or a great play that someone made. Unreal bonding and unreal just coming together. So it was awesome. Was there any talk because he'll forever be an ACHA legend for playing in the longest game in ACHA history? Devin Nato transferred from Iowa State. Were you guys talking to him at all about his experiences at Nationals? Pretty much on that bus ride over, we, we kind of picked his ear about what he experienced and everything. And he kind of, he's that guy that he's definitely going to be like, just show up and play. Like, you don't have to think about it too much. If you think about it, you're not going to get what you want so he kind of was blunt with us and told us like yeah this is what happened to me but let's not think about that and let's just play our hockey so we were thankful that we had him on the on the bench and in goal because he kept that mindset and it kind of pushed the guys to be like let's not think too much let's play here and now and let's do what we need to do because we aren't going to make it to the next game unless we uh, secure this one so he was definitely a, a factor in that for sure just with this mindset and so you guys next up you play UNLV who is one of the, the tougher opponents in the ACHA a lot of size a lot of skill a lot of older guys on the team was there any expectations going to that game or are you guys just like you know this is a, a, a stop on the journey and we want to go as far as possible we obviously were mixed emotions about that we knew how their season was going we knew how high up in the rankings they were um, it definitely was a jump for us because at that time, I think we were 12 or 13 and they were number four. So we knew they had a great program and knew they were, they were not going to be an easy competition. So coming out strong against them, I think I put one home on just a bobble of a play on my first shift, maybe two minutes into the game to put us up by one. So um, that was kind of a factor that really pushed us to be like, all right, this is something we can do. So it kind of was the driving factor. We we kept digging deep, Doug, as far as we could. They ended up coming back, uh, tying it, going to overtime. And heck, overtime was a, a lengthy one. I think we lasted 18 minutes with them. Some shot from the goal, the blue line that goalie didn't see. It was a couple guys in front of the net with a screen, and it just happened to go in over the goalie's shoulder. And it was unfortunate. We were obviously devastated at that point, but we knew how hard we had worked to get to that position. Everyone, even the seniors last year, were just so proud of what we have accomplished from our first season as a, a D2 team to where we are now as the D1 level, being a contender in nationals. It was just an unforgettable experience with them, unforgettable experience against playing such a tough team and such a high-ranked team. They played outstanding. 
they definitely brought it to us for sure. They weren't letting up easy. They weren't giving us anything. All that in general was something that is unforgettable and some experience that I will never forget. And so you head into that off season. You guys know you can compete at the division one level. You've shown it, you know, winning your conference in the first year and then making it to nationals in the second. Then come July, we get the breaking news that you guys are going to face off against one of your school's rivals that in the division two NCAA level in Ferris State. The anchor bone trophy on ice. Like, how cool is that? That's unreal. I heard some early stories about it. I wasn't exactly sure if they were true. But yes, Grand Valley and Ferris obviously have that football rivalry as well as any other NCAA rivalry. The whole place definitely hates Ferris. So hearing that we're going to bring that rivalry to hockey and make it the D1 against the NCAA program, that was just unreal. Hearing that, hearing the guys on the ice pumped up, the amount of text messages and calls that I got from family supporting teammates in the past and coaches was unreal because they they all obviously wanted to be there. Um, they knew just how much it, like it meant to us as a program to be playing in NCAA team. This whole experience is going to be awesome. Preparing for it has been just unreal. The competition and practice is so high. Um, everyone knows that we can't sleep on that game. So we're definitely going to try and bring it to them for sure. We get excited when there's these NCAA matchups. And we saw one last week between two schools who are rivals off the ice, ASU and U of A. Were you guys tuning into that game at all? Or are you kind of just blocking that out and focusing on what you guys can do against Ferris? To be honest, uh, we knew the game was happening, but we didn't pay much attention to it. Definitely, we're trying to we're trying to lock in for Ferris. We, we got our eyes. Obviously, we're not skipping over the games that we have before that but this isn't going to be an easy thing but it's also going to be a great step in our program's history especially this being our third year as a d1 program so it's going to be big as a program as a jump but also we're hoping for more future to maybe make this like a a yearly event trying to keep those relations there with their team and ours just try and keep that ncaa acha matchup kind of keep happening you mentioned too that it's cool that Calvin is close enough where you get fans traveling to that game. I saw that Grand Valley is going to do a fan bus, I think, and, and sell a certain amount of tickets to GVSU students. Like that's got to be pretty cool too. Yeah, you know it's awesome. I know. I think Ferris has allotted us about a hundred student tickets just for GV. Their barn isn't super big, but it's like a whole behind the net type of section. So yeah, we're bringing a bus up. We're hoping for as many people to get out there, students friends, just anyone at GV to come out. Um, we also have everyone's having their parents and uh, other family members come out to the game as well. So it's just going to be hopefully big supporter of both Grand Valley and Ferris. Yeah, we're excited to have that game and have the, the people coming out from our hometown for sure. You mentioned, too, that there's a couple games ahead of time that you guys got to focus for. One of those is a veterans and military appreciation game um, that you are kind of spearheading right now. Like, where did you get the idea to do this kind of game? Has it been done in the past before? Yeah, so every year, actually, the school puts on this thing called Campus Life Night, which it's all student organizations as well as all club sports are able to attend and kind of promote themselves. Coming in last year, I work for the school, so I helped put on this event. And I was kind of working throughout the night on it. I came in contact with the Army ROTC officer that's through our campus. So I kind of just Asked them, like, what's a possibility to having this and how hard would it be to set it up? I 
became good contact friendships with him. I talked to him still on a on a weekly basis, just to touch in, see how he's doing. It went well last year, I think. Unfortunately, we did not take the win at home against Concordia, but it was still an awesome experience. We had the National Guard out there to sing the National Anthem. We had a, like a color guard flag ceremony. So many members of the community, veterans or not veterans, just come out to the game. And it was one of our more packed nights for sure. He talked to me to plan it for this year because um, we wanted to make that like a legacy event type of thing just to show our support for active and veteran members of the military. We were just trying to keep it going and we have it set up this year against Calvin actually. So the Crosstown rival hoping to have their fans come over as well as their community of veterans and active military members as well as ours. So it, it should be a great night with a lot of people in the stands. You mentioned that this is one of the games that you guys get a, a higher attendance for. Walk us through the, the rink setup. Like do you guys, I see you guys got the logo at center ice. That's a pretty good novelty for an ACHA team. Like you guys got a, a good locker room set up. Last year at the start of the season, we actually just revamped our locker room. We got all new stalls within there really nice wood it's really nice it's really shining now um, we got it painted all black blue and white in there so it really screams grand valley in the rink we got yeah we have our logo on the middle of the ice the, the stands aren't the biggest but they're on one side and they can fill a good amount of people for sure but for this game we usually get the stands packed as well as all the way around on the glass so it's a good event usually it's standing room only by the end of the night so it's just a great atmosphere to play in front of we'll start to wrap things up but let's transition to this weekend you guys are hosting utah on thursday night like that is a team that is probably not regularly on the schedule and then you guys are making the trip to bloomington to face off against illinois state which is like another program that's kind of been on the rise and on the top of the rankings like what's the mindset going into this weekend obviously coming into this weekend it's one game at a time we'll start off uh with utah at our barn we haven't played much with them we haven't really talked about them that much so this year hearing that they're on our schedule was just definitely an eye-opener seeing how much around the country that we are going to start to reach out to see what different teams we could bring in or maybe travel to so they will definitely be a good opponent coming into thursday night friday morning we're heading over to illinois to play illinois state and they're another good team that we have our eyes on um, we've been watching them for the past couple of weeks and we just know they have a good program and they're not someone that we can take easy so we're definitely coming each practice that we're having is definitely strong we know where we need to be got to make sure passes around the tape and all the little things are happening and then just translate that into the games and hopefully it all comes together uh, by the end of the weekend. And then lastly, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this that maybe didn't know about Grand Valley State ahead of time or was listening to this to get more information about Grand Valley State. Like, what's the recruiting pitch? Why play hockey at Grand Valley? My experience in itself, just coming to Grand Valley, was an amazing campus and atmosphere. And it was just once you step on campus, it's like an unforgettable place, especially in the fall or the spring. The leaves turning colors or the, the flowers blooming and it. Everyone is so nice throughout campus. You can talk to anyone. And then the hockey program, like obviously we're on the rise. Uh, we want to make a, a name for ourselves and we want as much as we can come into the program. So we're trying to keep it up, keep these high intensity games going on 
having these tough opponents that we bring in from all over the country or travel to. So it's definitely something to keep in mind and definitely for people to, to come check out because whether it's the program or just the campus in general, it's a great experience to have. And there's so many friendships that I've made and have had the opportunity to make. And it's just uh, unforgettable. Awesome. Well, hey, Gage, thanks for joining us. And we want to wish you the best of luck over these next couple of weeks. Thank you for having me. We, as a program, really appreciate it, as well as myself, for sure. Thanks again for Gage joining us this week, giving us some insights as Grand Valley State prepares for their big matchup with Calvin and their big NCAA matchup against Ferris State. That's where we'll lead off this week with the ACHA Burgers Blowout of the Week. We'll start in exhibition action. U of A losing 16 to nothing to Arizona State. In M1 action, we had Niagara defeating Drexel 9-1 to at Clause 23 Arena. Not as many light shows as they would have liked to have seen from the Dragons. In M2 action, Florida Gulf Coast took down the Milwaukee School of Engineering 14 to nothing. The poor guys at the Milwaukee School of Engineering probably booked this trip to get some nice vacation time. They forgot to do one thing, score some goals while they were down there. They lost 14 to nothing and 9 nothing on Friday night. That is a tough weekend for the engineering kids. In M3 action, Kent State defeated Duquesne 12 to 2. In women's division one, ACHA Indiana Tech beat Davenport 13 to 1. And in women's two, Cortland defeated Oswego 13 to 1. I actually think we have one more burger I saw this weekend and want to make sure we, we talked about it on the show. Oh, no. Okay. It was a, it was an honorable mention burger. Davenport beat Toledo 11 to 4. So moving on to AAU action in D- Division 1, Buffalo beat Erie Community College 9 to 1. In D2, Salisbury defeated Crisper Newport 10 to 1. In D3, Florida Southern, big weekend for the Mocs. They beat Embry-Riddle 17-1. to That Embry-Riddle Division Three team has had a tough couple weekends here. Big props to the Salisbury boys. They got burgered last week. So I think it was like 11 to nothing or 9-1 to or something like that. So props to them to see them burger Christopher Newport this weekend. Yeah, get a burger, give a burger. And a team that's been giving out a lot of burgers this week. They are back again. Women's Division One AAU, Tampa 13, USF nothing. It's been tough to stop the ladies at Tampa this year. The Spartans sweep USF by scores of 13 nothing and 13 to 3. Moving along to our games to watch this week. There are plenty of them. Liberty is making the trip out to Arrington Arena. They will face off against Adrian College on Military Appreciation Night Friday. We also have Purdue Northwest taking on M3 Saginaw Valley State. This is going to be a cool matchup. Saginaw Valley State, one of the better teams in M3, taking on an M1 team on the rise in Purdue Northwest. On Saturday, Niagara is taking on Stony Brook at Dwyer Arena. Friday, we'll get a brawl of the Wild University of Montana taking on Montana State University. Montana State 6-0 to start off the year. They are facing off against their in-state rival, the University of Montana. Friday night, Lawrence Tech is taking on Central Michigan in an all-Michigan M3 battle. And then Saturday, Liberty M2 taking on Florida Gulf Coast at La Haye. A rare road trip for Florida Gulf Coast. They'll play a couple M2 teams this weekend at La Haye. And then on Friday in Women's 1 action, Arizona State taking on Utah, two of the better teams in Women's Division 1 facing off. Utah looking to have a good season and get into the national tournament. Two M1 teams facing off. Robert Morris taking on George Mason, two schools named after old dudes going head-to-head at the RMU Island Sports Center. That'll be an exciting one. And then we have ECHA team making the, the games to watch this week, Collins. It's a big one. Yeah, I I will say this is going to be a big, big, big test after 
the wins over over IUP for for George Mason. So we get to really see are they legit or did IUP just put up a stinker? Really, really hoping for the latter. I will be paying as much attention as I can. Looking forward to this one. This means a lot to me. Honorable mentions this week, we have Sioux College taking on Adrian in women's division two action, an early test for the Sioux team as they look to repeat. An M2 action on Friday, UConn taking on Connecticut College on Sunday, New Hampshire taking on BC. That brings us to the game of the week this week. I'm not, I think this might be the first time in podcast history that we've gone with a women's division one matchup for the game of the week. We are heading to Minot, North Dakota it is once again, Liberty and Minot state this time in women's action going head to head a women's national championship rematch. These two teams will face off twice this weekend. The only time they will face off until they maybe meet again down the road in St. Louis. Going to be a great matchup. Collins, who are you going with? I mean, as much as, as it pains me, how much I, I love the Minot team. And I mean, I also want to mention they have the best fitting player name in all of the ACHA. Haley Beaver, their starting goaltender. She's absolutely awesome watching her play. She's a great goalie. But I am going to be going with Liberty. They're really tough to beat. And we saw Miami get close last year. And I think Liberty, keep it rolling. I mean, once, like I said, with goaltending, once you find a stride, it's hard to get out of it. So I don't want to change my gut. My gut is saying Beavers. I just think on home ice, in my head, I'm thinking if Liberty wins this one, I think Minot has a better chance at beating them down the road. Because my worry is that if Minot wins this one, then Liberty will have to think about it and then they'll get them again. They'll get revenge in the national tournament, but that's overthinking it. I'm going to go with my gut. I think the men's team took care of business with the double sweep already this year. The Beavers have determination. They've played some games already this year, and I think they're going to get off to a good start with Liberty. And I think they're taking the game on Friday night. So I'm going to pick Minot State here. Fitzy, who are you going with? I'll be rolling with the Beavers as well. I made the mistake of of doubting the men's team a few weeks ago, so I'm not going to make that mistake twice, and uh, we'll see what they can do. That brings us to the question of the week. A lot of baseball talk this week, but I just couldn't get this out of my head because I was thinking of one good thing in sports is I always listen to like the music. Like what what, what kind of vibes are they playing in the arena? I always think like there's nothing better than when you got like a lead going into the third period. You, you hear a good entrance song, and then. You watch playoff baseball and it seems like all these closers nowadays are trying to one up each other with their entrance songs and some teams do the light shows and everything. So I want to ask you guys, if you were an MLB closer, what would your entrance music be coming in the bottom of the ninth inning? Collins, I'll throw it over to you first. I'm kind of taking a page out of Felix Bautista. I am going with another HBO theme. He does the whistle from The Wire. I am going to go with Woke Up This Morning by A3, which is the Sopranos theme. I think the first two lines, if you're a closer, that means one thing, and that means you throw gas. The first two lines are Woke Up This Morning, Got Yourself a Gun, and it's also just such a good song, and The Sopranos is just such an awesome show. Fitzy, I feel like you're you're a metal guy. Is that what you're going with for your entrance song? I had a lot of ideas swirling around in the head here. I'm going to go with a song by Iron Maiden, uh, Fear of the Dark. I think it'd be sick if you got to start it at the right time and time it up if you're running out. You got to shut all the lights got to be off. The fans got to get into it too. I think like right when the right when it, it builds up and it all, you know, explodes in the song, everyone turns on like the phone flashlights and we got the the lights in the uh the stadium going strobe style. I think it could be really cool. 
Love that. Maybe even some pyrotechnics. Get some fireworks in there too when it gets to the drop. That that could be nice. In high school, I was on aux for the pep rallies. So one year we did, we rented a bunch of those big sumo costumes. We had like a bracket of kids to like see who would win the sumo wrestling in front of the whole school. And so I had a Spotify playlist queued up of entrance songs for every kid. Every kid had a different entrance song. Right here, right now by Fatboy Slim. Good buildup, like a a very big, like suspenseful song. Not a lot of words, but I think that that's what I would go with. Kind of a classic back to youth hockey days hearing that one on the CD track. So that would be my pick. That's kind of the show this week. That's that's wrapping it up. We had a lot of news. It was definitely a a heavier episode in the beginning. Had a lot of stuff to go through. All in all, another exciting week. Looking forward to this one. A lot of good matchups on cue. And uh, we'll keep building that content for you this weekend long. Collins, anything for us on picking up pucks? Did anybody else see the final score on Twitter? For anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, the Bridgeport Islanders played the Hartford Wolfpack. The score was 30 to 19 Hartford. Looking at all the other stuff, like guys were scoring with zero seconds at the beginning of the game, no time on the clock. Uh, I think some guys scored three straight goals in six seconds. Everything came from half ice. All shots were recorded from half ice. There's nothing, nothing on the AHL website because all the preseason stuff got erased because the regular season starts this week. I don't know, but that was wild we we haven't seen anything that bad on the acha website so throw them on the hot seat i guess throw the throw the ahl website on the hot seat that's 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 horrible yeah i i was uh i saw one tweet that was like they messed up the shots on goal with the goals but i'm i'm trying to search on twitter right now to find something no no explanation it looks like the game it looks like the game was played at trinity college which is a, a nescac school and they have some photos from, is this the same? The Wolfpack tweeted that it, they won three to one over the weekend. Maybe this is a different game, but yeah, somebody, somebody messed up with the, uh, the AHL app over the weekend. Yeah, that was, that was wild opening up Twitter and, and seeing that, like what the fuck? Yeah. Final park to pick up happy leaf Erickson days. I, uh, I wanted to power rank the foods that I ate at the fair this week for all of the listeners to maybe give you an inside look on what my stomach's going through right now. First night I went was Thursday night and we started things off with some mini donuts, moved on from there and got a, a, a big bowl of French fries, like the, the good, nice, thin, authentic, thin potato cut fries. We moved on to some fried Oreos, which honestly I'm a big fried Oreo guy, very mid fried Oreos. They, they tasted like they had been out there for a while. And then uh, we closed out the night with a root beer float. Fitzy's like cringing. He's like the perfect human being when it comes to his nutrition. So these things have never entered his body before. He's shaking his head right now. And then day two, I went back. We started things off with a jumbo donut, a Philly cheesesteak, and then ended with some pumpkin ice cream. We, uh, I think we hit all of the colors on the food pyramid this week, but um, it, it was a very fun weekend. I have not been home to go to the fair in many years so it it was nice to go back and uh binge eat my favorite fried foods i can tell you i haven't had many of those items before mainly being the fried oreos i can't get past the fucking idea of a deep fried oreo that sounds just awful to me but i will say this how did the cheesesteak rank compared to philly and then also i think fitzy will agree with me i think the best state fair food item because it's kind of closest to being healthy is a turkey leg. 
just pure protein. Nothing can't beat it. I honestly, I didn't, maybe I missed it this year. I did not see the turkey leg stand. I have never ventured into that territory. Fried Oreos are a go-to. I, I just like, again, don't knock it till you try it. If you like Oreos, you got to go with the fried, but the cheese steak was, was not good. Honestly, this week I had a, I had a Philly cheese steak at Subway. I was pleasantly surprised with how that tasted. Never had one of those before. It doesn't compete with the Wawa cheese steak, but it, it's up there. It, it surprised me, showed some signs of life there, but uh, stale bread really killed it at the, at the fair for me. So that, you know, it's just, it's tough. You know, they don't let that happen in Philly. You get a nice crisp, you know, piece of Italian bread there. So that was tough for me, but enough about my diet. Fitzy, any, anything from you? I mean, just getting settled into Huntsville, any, any pucks to pick up today? I brought four Bauer sticks here. Found out can't be using those. SPHL is a warrior league, just like the, uh, the fed was, but apparently they're like super strict here. If it shows up on a video, like even if it's a backup stick, just sitting on the bench and the video cat like, catches it, you're getting a uh, $200 fine. So <laughs> I got uh two brand new uh, hyper lights sitting here and then uh, one brand new 3X Pro and then a, a slightly used 3X Pro. So uh, I, I, they're just going to be sitting here for the whole season. And I brought one Warrior, so that's what I got right now. And I'm waiting to get some sticks handed out to me. Even in practice, too, that you can't be caught using them? Yeah, it's they, whatever they say. It's like not team sanctioned because if we have like media people taking videos or photos in practice and you get caught with a bower, you're screwed. So <laughs> I don't have a problem with like helmet and gloves. Those are all warrior and I don't have a problem wearing those, but I do like using bower, va- bower vapor sticks. Kind of sucks. I don't know. The, the Fed was was a warrior as well, but they they didn't really seem to care what went on there. I heard it's the same in the coast as well. So I guess I just got to get used to it. There we go. The, the more you, the more you know. Maybe we, uh, we get a little sponsorship with Bauer. Get us out to the next hype fest, and then uh, also do like what Jordan did, and they pay the fines for for every time you're caught using a Bauer stick. My older brother Ryan, he was like, "What's the fine? I'll pay it." He's like, "I don't care. <laughs> Let me know what it is. You want to use the Bowers? I'll pay your fines." I was like, "No, it's all right. Two hundred dollars a game might add up pretty quickly." Speaking of of hype fest, the Bauer hype fest, I saw enough content from Chicklets Cup where I think we got to go next time. We gotta we gotta get a hockey house pod team in. I don't know what that looks like. If who who we're bringing on, we we're gonna have to find some ringers to join us. I think if we played in the Roller Hockey Chicklets Cup, that that would be a lot of fun and get a hockey house team and there was some ACHA or AAU guys saw the hockey guys saw the empty netters guys joining in on the fun and I was like you know what next year next year we got to bring it because that looked like a darn good time biz wit Grinelli if you're listening fire us a DM biz on his like off days just listening to the hockey house pod thanks thanks for listening biz biz be sure to follow us at hockey house pod Instagram Twitter TikTok. Send us your videos this weekend. Want to get more highlights. Looking for some more women's hockey content too. Send that our way as well. As always, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. See you boys.